My main takeaway was when the game got close and it was 24-20 in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. The Vikings get the ball in what seems to be the drive of the game and in a place where you might see Kirk Cousins not come up and step up to the plate, he stepped up and hit a home run. The Vikings did not have to convert one-third down starting wow. at their own 25. Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings Podcast with your hosts, Mike Wapshaw and Chris Corso. All right, everyone, welcome back in to the Minnesota Vikings Podcast. This is episode 13. I'm your host, Mike Wapshaw, coming to you from the TCO Studios in Egan, following another Vikings win. That's two in a row, folks. The Vikings defeat and handle the Philadelphia Eagles 38-20 to at U.S. Bank Stadium last Sunday. And we are here to talk about it, to discuss it, and then to look ahead to the next game, which is against the Detroit Lions on Sunday. In Detroit, Ford Field will be the site as the Vikings look to win their third game in a row. Going to talk about that and much more with Chris Corso, who joins us now. What's up, dude? What's going on? Everything is good right now in Viking land. Four and two. Um, big loss for the Detroit Lions to put them down in the standings. Obviously, we're just trailing those Green Bay Packers, but I feel really good about where the Vikings are heading to Detroit this week and then a short week for the Washington Redskins for a Thursday night game at home. I think we can really uh, get the snowball rolling, as Kirk Cousins said this week. You want to start stacking wins on top of each other, huh? W's on top of W's. Let's just get this one this week, and we'll worry about the Redskins. I'm I'm excited. I'm a little excited. So am I. It's okay to be excited. (laughs) Plus, your Yankees are playing. Um, I'm an excited guy right now. It's a big bullpen game today, Chris, for your Yankees. (laughs) It's a big bullpen game. Let's hope not. Well, it is. They're starting. A, they're starting a reliever, aren't they? No, Luis Severino. Oh, Severino's starts. gonna play. Oh, okay. Well, he's good. <laughs> he's pretty good. Big, tall, lanky guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's good. Good luck to your squad. Uh, Are you nervous? You seem nervous. Very nervous. You're nervous about the Yankees. We're recording this what an hour, two hours before game time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you're a little nervous. Uh, okay. We'll see. Who's pitching for them? Garrett Cole. Yeah, yeah only the best pitcher in all of time. He so. hasn't lost. They haven't lost a game with Cole since May. Yeah. So, all right, here we go. Um, so let's talk about something else so you don't seem so nervous, okay? Let's talk about the Vikings. They got me positive right now. All right. We're going to break down the win over the Eagles, and we're going to get to the game coming up with the Lions. And to do that, we're going to talk to Tori Petri, who works for the Lions, does what we do for the Lions. She's coming up later in the, in the podcast. We're also going to have Vikings team reporter Eric Smith to join. He's doing his live chat, which he always does on Tuesdays, and after that he's going to come down here and join us. We have fan mail to get to. We have a top five today to get to. Lots of stuff that we're going to get to. But first, 38-20, to 20, home victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Chris, we do the post-game report podcast, so folks who listen to both this and that already know our thoughts on the game. But anything that we have not digested from that Eagles win that you want to get out of your system before we move on to the Philadelphia Eagles? I have one thing, and I'll get to that, but you go first. My main takeaway was when the game got close, and it was 24-20 to 20 in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, the Vikings get the ball in what seems to be the drive of the game, and in a place where you might see Kirk Cousins not come up and step up to the plate, 
he stepped up and hit a home run because that drive was one of the best drives of the game, and it was a drive where the Vikings did not have to convert one-third down starting at their own 25 because of all the explosive plays, a pass to Ola B.C. Johnson cutting across the field, a long run by Alexander Madison. Um, Before that, a trick play to Stephon Diggs where he happened to really uh, make a little move on the defender and make it a positive play. So all um, positive plays on early downs to get the Vikings in the red zone and a play that Kevin Stefanski drew up um, that was Stephon Diggs' third touchdown of the game and a perfect pass by Kirk Cousins on a ball that only Diggs could catch. Mm-hmm. Gets his two feet in. That's my biggest takeaway because at that point, we went up 11, and that's when it was like, all right, we're, we're going to win this game. Yeah. Um, my big takeaway was um, Vikings got good contributions um, from the rookies, from their rookie class in this game. And it's all the way from the bottom of that group to the top. Like a guy like Epps, I saw he was in uniform and he's playing. Vikings assistant coach uh, Jerry Gray, who coaches the D-backs, talked about uh, how impressed he's been with Epps and his study habits and sitting in with Harrison Smith. So that's on the small scale. Big scale, Alexander Madison, you mentioned him. I think he had like 40 40 rushing yards in the game, um, including some big ones in the second half. Irv Smith had a big catch but also was good in the blocking game. Um, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Garrett Bradbury getting to the second level on a lot of runs and um, very good in pass protection. Um, he, he had a big game. So really impressed with young Vikings players and the way they're able to help and contribute. And B.C. Johnson had a big catch, which you already referenced. So, um, you know, the young players really stepping up at a time when they have opportunity. So I love that. That, that was one of my, my bigger takeaways that we haven't talked about yet is uh, is the rookie class really contributing. Good good sign for the Vikings. When you invest that much in the offense in the draft and you see these guys all making contributions, especially helping out Kirk Cousins, that's, that's what you want. And that is definitely what a lot of these young players are doing. Some could argue that Alexander Madison should maybe get the ball a little more because whenever mm-hmm. he touches it, seems like something positive is, is going to happen. Well, I think defenses take maybe a, a sigh of relief when Dalvin Cook exits the game, and they, they don't. Great point. They, they haven't realized yet that we got another guy coming at you who's really good. Like it's not some pedestrian backup running back. It's a guy who's really good. Like think he's the, a third round pick. The thing that impresses me most about him is his size, and using that size. With along with a speed, to, he seems like he's always getting to the mm-hmm. corner faster than the than the defenders in, on the second level. Yeah. And he uses that speed along with his size. He runs inside the tackles, but he's also shown that he can run yep. outside the tackles, yeah, which has been awesome. He's got some pop. So uh, good job by the Vikings rookies this season, but particularly against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Kirk Cousins, 333 yards. Diggs was the top target, 167 yards on seven catches, 11 targets. Um, or, or I think Cousins was 7 of 11 throwing to Diggs um, for 167 yards, three touchdowns. Diggs also had a pair of rushes, so lots of touches for Stephon Diggs in the game. And, um, you know, Thielen had the big game against the Giants. One week later, it's Diggs with the big game against the Eagles, so now the Lions are going to have to figure out what they're going to do with those two as they yin and yang all season long. I don't know if you can stop both of them. I don't know if you can. Four touchdowns so, combined because Thielen had one at the beginning of the game. So Kind of got to pick your poison. Pick your poison, exactly. Yeah. Um, the defense. 
very, very good. Have not allowed. They have not allowed more than 21 points in a game this season. And um, we're going to win a lot of games as long as that streak continues because this offense is going to be able to put up some points. Uh, two interceptions, Mackenzie Alexander and Everson Griffin had them. Uh, Barr had a fumble recovery. Uh, we got after the quarterback a little bit. Daniil Hunter had another sack, set a record for most sacks by the age of 25 in NFL history. That's you know no big deal. Uh, but Mackenzie Alexander had an interception, which led to a celebration, which led to a pretty cool part of under center with Kirk Cousins earlier this week, as Vikings linebacker Eric Kendricks explained the celebration. So Mackenzie Alexander gets an interception, <laughs> and we run down to celebrate in the end zone, which I am all for. As you know, I'm pretty good with corny celebrations. <laughs> but I'm, I'm watching on the board later when they do a replay in slow motion, and EK jumps into a handstand, which is outstanding. <laughs> Talk about that. Was that spur of the moment? Were you like, hey, man, I, I'm doing a handstand if anything happens today? I Honestly, I had different celebrations that I had in my head, and I didn't do any of them. Like, I didn't, they didn't <laughs> you got a few in your back pocket. They didn't cross my mind at all. So, like, that was completely spur of the moment. I don't know why I did it. It was perfect. I, did it. I couldn't even concentrate on my celebration. I was looking at shows. Like, <laughs> it was Damn, perfect. what is he doing over there? That's crazy. All right, that is Eric Kendricks. Uh, Anthony Barr joined Eric Kendricks as a guest on Under Center. That is Kirk Cousins' weekly podcast and radio show hosted by Mark Rosen. Chris, you're in the room for those, and you record those earlier in the week, and you drop them on Tuesdays, and it airs um, on KFAN from 6 to 7 on Tuesdays, and then it's available as a podcast and on-demand format thereafter. And I know you enjoy working on that project. Yeah, it's been unbelievable to get these guys to really open up, especially two of the quieter players on the team uh, media-wise. And to hear these guys just loosen up, tell their stories. They told stories about their off-season trips to Rome, Japan, and Amsterdam, which were hilarious. Um, Barr shares a, a, a hidden talent which is his whistling ability, which really? is pretty hilarious. Okay, and he actually whistles a little uh, tune for for the Vikings fans. So pretty cool. Kendrick said, "Whenever you hear whistling in the building, he, he just turns around and bars like right behind him," which was pretty, That's pretty funny. funny. Yeah. Um, and my last takeaway is the two of them talked about receiving the calls from Coach Zimmer during the game, and the way that they then take those calls from Coach and call the plays out for defense. Normally it's Barr who does it. One game that Barr missed, Kendricks did it for the first time in his career, which was which was cool cuz he um really it was a it was a new experience for him to be to yeah. have to hear and especially at home when the crowd is just loud as anything and then decipher those calls to Harrison Smith and the re- and the rest of the defense. So yeah. um those guys were awesome. Thanks again to for them for them joining this yeah. week. All righty. Uh, that is Under Center with Kirk Cousins, hosted by Mark Rosen. You can catch it Tuesdays on KFAN at, from 6 to 7. And then, of course, wherever you like to find your podcast, you can go and find it there. All right. Uh, let's bring in Vikings team reporter Eric Smith as we begin to segue toward the Detroit Lions. What's up, Eric? Hello, Wabi. How are you? I'm good. Actually, I should say, sup, Smitty. You are correct. <laughs> right? That's yeah. the weekly chat. Yeah, I just got done with it. Okay. Yeah. How do well. those go? It goes well, you know. Uh, I think whether we win big or lose, people are passionate. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of passionate fans about the team. Um, so usually there's some good stuff in there. And, um, yeah, people are excited. And you open the – the thing start is Tuesdays at 1, from Correct. 1 to 2 Central. And you, you open it up early so people can put questions in there ahead of time. But then the convo gets rolling and then questions pop in, right? Right. And I'm sure you can anticipate what's coming. And I'm sure you have some regulars who are in there all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's it's just kind of like the mailbag. I was for gonna me. say, yeah. I'm sure you get the same emails from people. Yeah, you know, for years. 
but don't you feel with those chats that it, it's cool because the fans are dictating what's talked about, right? And our yeah. challenge every day is what do the fans want to talk about? What do they want to hear? And let's give it to them. And that's what our challenge is every day. But there are some content items and series, right? Like the mailbag and like these chats where they are driving it. And so it's sort of an easy thing for us because we know they're going to be satisfied with it. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I think one guy in there today, he, he said that, you know, Stafford's only been sacked, I think, 10 times, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he, he threw out a prediction. He thinks we're going to sack Stafford five times, so good for that guy. Sweet. But, but, you know, we sacked Stafford 10 times in one game last mm-hmm. year. So, yeah. you know, so it seems like, you know, through, through uh, five games, you know, that the Lions are, are the O-line playing better. Yeah. You know, so, like, maybe that's a story for later in the week. Yeah, you know, exactly. How how those lines match up, right? And so sometimes they can. What you're saying is sometimes they can create ideas for you that you get to later on. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super cool. Yeah. For you, any last things about the Eagles win that you need to get off your chest or you want to digest? Yeah, I think you know everyone's always ta- obviously talking about the passing game, you know, and how Kirk you know aired it out, but the run game was was pretty effective. You know, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't eye popping, you know, like it had been in previous weeks, but we still ran the ball well. Uh, we ran it a lot, you know. We, I think we had thirty-five rushes. I think there's maybe a kneel down in there. We had more runs than passes, right? Which people think we opened it up and threw the ball all over the place, which we did. But we ran the ball more times. We were committed right. to the run. I think we only averaged three and a half yards of carry. But sometimes it's like Zim says, you know, you, maybe you get two yards here, two yards there, and then yeah. Madison goes for thirty-five. And, and I think a big part of that was a lot of those runs were those negative yardage runs and and short runs came on the last two or three possessions yeah, when the, we were just we were just chipping away at the clock. Those final six so, minutes where yeah. we were just looking to bleed the clock and we didn't care if yeah. we gained one yard or yeah. lost two yards. So your one of your big things coming away from the game is actually we, we against a good run defense we actually ran the ball a little bit better than the numbers would indicate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's. I mean, it one. wasn't what we've seen in, you know, Green Bay where we ran it a lot. You know, Dalvin didn't have a breakout game, but as a team, mm-hmm. I think we were committed to the run game. Yep. Okay. Lions. How do we beat them? I think it's balance on offense. You know, I mean, I think kind of what I'm saying with with the with the Eagles game. You know, I mean, I think the plays could be there. You know, through the passing game. I mean, the Lions have a good secondary, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the plays are going to be there. But I think the identity we found is run the ball and then use play action to take some shots. And sure. I I think that's what worked against the Giants. I think that's what worked against the Eagles. And I think that's a good plan to kind of focus on going forward. Um, Corso hates the Lions, and he gets nervous playing the Lions. Yeah, it it's weird. <laughs> like it's always weird against the Lions. Yeah. And I was looking it up, like I was looking up what uh, Matt Stafford. So he's eight and ten against the Vikings in his career, and not every year, but I want to say six or seven of the years. It always goes one way, meaning either the Lions win both times or we win both times. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you the exact number off the top of my head, but I feel like it, it's always kind of swings one way for one team. Yeah, you know, and it, it it's rarely a season split. It's, okay, it's usually a season sweep for for one yeah. of the teams. Yeah, I dislike the Lions. I dislike Matthew Stafford, and I dislike how a lot of these fans around here are always talking about Aaron Rodgers, and the other guy over there does a pretty good job as well. Um, we took care of him the last time, as you said before, 10 sacks at U.S. Bank Stadium. But there's something about that Detroit Ford Field. When we go there, we don't get started right away. And that's what happened last year. And we got lucky with a – we referenced the Hail Mary. Um, to Rudy, yeah. Yep, to Rudy, which kind of gave us a little bit of a, a jump heading into the second half. But 
Um, there's something about these Lions that they usually step up when they play the Vikings, yeah. and especially at home. Um, offensively for Detroit, is it Carryon Johnson? Is it their receivers? Is it Galladay? Is it Hawkinson? What do you what What's the not the threat, but what's what's going to be the Lions' probably strategy against our defense? Yeah, probably probably Galladay. You know, I mean, he's their number one guy mm-hmm. uh, at the receiver. Um, you know, he he was mostly the guy last night. I mean, I know that mm-hmm. Marvin Hall guy had like a long catch, but other than that, it was Galladay for 120 yards. Everyone else had 30, you know, 40 yards. So he's the guy they look at. I thought the run game for Detroit would be a little better last night, uh, but it was it wasn't. Um, I think you have to do anything it takes, well, you know, to, yeah. to beat them. You know, I think part of it for Detroit in the Monday night game was, you know, with not running the ball a ton with Carryon Johnson. You know, you can throw the ball on on Green Bay. You can, you can, yeah. and and I know their defense has been better and playing well and whatever. But like, you, there are guys over there that you can throw at, and I think Stafford and Bevel knew that, and they did it, and they did it in the first series, well, the first play. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the first play. And by the way, Matthew Stafford in the first quarter is very, very good. Yeah. I I did crunch the numbers this week and. Um, you know, 30, let's like 32% of his passing yards come in the first quarter. He's at 12.8 yards per attempt in the first quarter. The Bevel and Stafford are aggressive in the first quarter. That is their bit this season. It and seems that's like to watch that's going to be something to watch out for, especially with how the Vikings have opened up on the road. Yeah, in the first possession. In sure, the yeah, first yeah. possession. So that will be something They've to watch. They've been better, though. They were the first team to stop the Giants from scoring on the Giants' first possession of the game, right? Good call. So, so they've gotten better there, but you're yeah. right. That sort of a, a thing has been, you know, on the. Remember the Rams at, at home? Um,. In Sean McVay here yeah, at U.S. Bank Stadium, first drive, boom, yeah. hot knife through butter, touchdown, right? Um, and then they didn't score the rest of the way. So there's something about first drive sometimes, so maybe that is something to watch um, with uh, with the Detroit Lions. Okay, yeah? Uh, well, I was going to say, Kendrick's actually mentioned something about the first drive in the locker room after the game. He oh, yeah? Said, he said that he felt like the, the defense, and mainly himself, was locked in and ready to go from the first drive. Mm-hmm. And not that they're trying not to do that in other games, but like, Sometimes he said it, it takes a series or two to get into the flow and, mm-hmm. and get going, and it wasn't the case against Philly. So, yeah, that's gonna, they're going to try to need to do that again. Last thing for me is, um, you know, one thing I, I appreciated about Green Bay's defense um, and the way they handled things was Detroit got inside the red zone, inside the 10 a bunch of times um, and didn't score touchdowns a bunch of times, right? So not a bunch, but I think, I think Detroit was 1-3 of three in, in the red zone. And um, so, like, like, like you mentioned, Eric, first play of the game, flea flicker, Galladay down to the ten. They didn't give up a touchdown. I thought about that. Yeah, I was, yeah. Uh, I was making dinner, and I'm like, man, they only got a field goal out of that. That's like, a that, big that's deal. Crushing. Yes, you know, it that's is crushing. So yeah. I think the aggressive nature of Bevel and Stafford, the skill of Stafford to Galladay is a lot to handle, and it might get you. But if they get down inside the 20 or 10 because of some explosive plays, you really got to hunker down and make them kick field goals. And for the know? most part, since Zimmer got here, the Vikings have been good at that. Mm-hmm. In, I agree in, with inside that. Inside the 20. No doubt about it. All right, last thing. Um, anyone playing really well right now for the Vikings that you've noticed but is not getting some pub? Um, for me, Shamar Stefan. Yeah, no, he's been good. I, I retweeted your tweet the other okay, day. Okay, thank he, you. Yeah, first two plays. Um, he's getting a little bit of pub, mainly because he was on a conference call the other day, but, okay. but Brian O'Neill um, oh, yeah, is yeah. playing really well. Yeah. Um, is it true he hasn't given up a sack? Are we going to go with that? That's what Pro I mean, Football Focus says. 
I'll take it. You yeah. know, yeah. I think that's we are amazing. going with it. Yeah. And that's since his rookie year. That's yeah. since last year. He hasn't yeah. given one up in his career. Well, knock right. on knock on wood here, but I, yeah. Yeah. I remember that was a big thing when we drafted Bryant McKinney. Bryant McKinney, like at the University of Miami, went his whole career without giving up a sack. You know, and Bryant McKinney ended up, I mean, you say what you want about the end of his career here. It didn't finish great, but like he didn't give up a sack all of his college career, and he ended up being like an eight or 10 year starter at left tackle for us. So, um, not, not, comparing the two but like it just reminded me of that like that's a lot of pass sets to have without giving up a sack yeah i would say brian o'neill on offense and then on defense uh i think mike hughes is, is all the way back yeah 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 mike hughes looks very good as they would say uh sticky coverage by mike hughes all the time and to the point where when he comes in and one of the starters goes out you truly feel like you're there's not a drop off there no right not at all so all right man Good luck this week and all your prep uh, for the Lions. Thanks for joining us. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. From one guest to the other, let's welcome in one of our favorites from across the league. We get a chance to chat with her twice a year because we play the Lions twice a year. It is Tori Petri. The MVP of today's MVP is our guest, Tori Petri, because she works for the Detroit Lions, knows everything about the club, and has been there for a long time, almost as long as I've been here with the Vikings. And she's en route to a shoot on a short week following a Monday night unfortunate loss to the Packers on the road. So, I mean, Tori's the MVP. Safe to say we were rooting for the Lions we were. last night. I believe so. <laughs> we, we were. We were on your side last night. Yeah, I believe it. And, hey, that was quite the intro. I think I need you to be my hype man hype me up for everything I can. <laughs> I can do that. I can be, I can be your hype man. Um, <laughs> you can find Tori on Twitter, at SportsTori, T-O-R-I. She's a UF alum, so she's in a good mood about her Gators right now. But, um, Tori, you're a little down about the game last night, and our apologies for the loss. I know you guys got to turn around quickly and get ready for us, and we appreciate your time today. Of course. I'm happy to do it. We've always uh, worked well with each other and, and done these kinds of uh, little check-ins with each other mm-hmm. as far as what's going on with our team. So uh, it's always fun to, fun to do. So obviously the mood is somber. I mean, I, I we know what it's like to lose games at Lambeau Field, and now it's, it's a short week. And a lot happened in that game last night, Tori, but what was your takeaway with how the Lions played? T- taking out the officiating and losing a close <laughs> game – how did you guys play, and what is your form now heading into Week 7 in the Vikings? Well, it's really tough to talk about that game and take out the officiating. Uh, True. That was certainly a central part of it. Um, but ultimately, the Lions didn't play well enough to win. I mean, you got to understand that sometimes calls are going to go against you, and you need to be able to play well enough to overcome that. And the biggest problem yesterday was that the Lions kicked field goals against Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. and anytime that you do that and you leave a window for Aaron Rodgers to come back you're setting yourself up for a little bit of disappointment because he is just able to uh, do incredible things in fourth quarters of games and you know he's never out so the Lions left a window for him to get back in there and some of it was because of just foolish mistakes I mean leaving 12 men on the field for a field goal defense and then opening up the window for the Packers to actually score a touchdown. Instead, that was a huge mistake for them. Uh, you know, there was a questionable drop touchdown uh, from TJ Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. There were just different moments in this game where the Lions could have gotten touchdowns, and instead, you know, they send Matt Prater out, who, of course, is automatic. Um, and he <laughs> kicked five field goals last night. But we don't like Prater, Prater around here. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. As good as Prater is, you, you, if you want to win games, you got to – 
uh, score touchdowns. The Lions only had one touchdown last night against the Packers, and that's uh, ultimately what did them in considering the hits that they got from the officiating as well. Yeah, and I think you're right about that, Tori. I mean, I know you're probably like we are. The game is over, and you're looking at stat sheets to figure out line of questioning and storylines to write and talk about. And one of the things you always look at is critical areas, third downs, red zone touchdown percentage. Those are the critical areas that determine the outcomes of games. And for as well as the Lions played, particularly on defense, I thought, Tori, I thought your, your guys' defense against the Packers for the balance of the game was really good. And, you know, until the very end of the game, I mean, you're, you're holding Aaron Rodgers at home. Granted, he had some receivers out, but your defense played well enough to hold Aaron Rodgers pretty much in check when he was at home. You have to feel pretty good about how your defense looks. Yeah, definitely. The defense has been playing well, and they were without uh, starting safety Quandre Diggs last night as well. So they were uh, down a player, but they played really well. And, you know, what they did with Aaron Rodgers was impressive. And, you know, you mentioned the injuries on on the Packers side of things. But, you know, ultimately they've got to be able to finish out games. And that's what they've been struggling with this year is that, you know, they'll get off to a hot start and then something will stall in the fourth quarter and they just aren't able uh, to close it out. We saw that in Arizona when the game went into overtime and it ended in a tie. We saw that against the Chiefs where they fought really hard for uh, most of the game and then things kind of just, you know, fell apart there at the very end. And again, against the Packers, I mean, they started so hot uh, with, you know, just coming out with some deep shots on offense. Mm-hmm. It was fun to watch and uh, you know, see Matthew Stafford air it out. That's always entertaining to, to watch his arm get going. Uh, maybe not for Vikings fans, but yeah. <laughs> on this side of things, you know, it, he, he is a really good quarterback, and to see him be able to throw those deep balls is impressive, and they got off to a hot start with those, um, but then they just could not uh, make things happen in the red zone, and that's been their issue this year. One thing that was missing for the Lions of the past couple years, at least since I've been here with the Vikings, has been the run, just the consistent running game. And this year you have a young back who obviously has been around now for a few years, but on Johnson. Can you talk about the season that he's having and the, the threat that he is in the backfield? Totally. I mean, on Johnson is a really good player, but unfortunately the Lions have not been able to really piece their whole run game together yet this year. I mean, they did it against the Kansas City Chiefs right before the bye week in week four. Uh, but, you know, the big thing there was that Carrion had a fumble right at the goal line that ended up being a big swing in points in that game. But, you know, he did have a 125-yard rushing game. Last night against the Packers, not so much. The Lions just could not get the run game going. The Packers were able to stop that. Uh, so that is something that the Lions need more consistency in as well. They've been protecting uh, Matthew Stafford pretty well up front, but they've got to figure out how to get that run game going too. And that isn't just on the offensive line. That's on all the guys that are blocking. Hey, um, you know, Dan Miller, your guys' radio play-by-play guy, uh, joined our radio play-by-play guy, Paul Allen, a couple of weeks ago. And he said that this is the best he has seen Matthew Stafford play in his in his career with the Lions. Do you agree with that? And whether you do or, or you don't, what do you like about what Daryl Bevel, your offensive coordinator, is doing with Matthew Stafford? Yeah, I mean, Stafford has looked really good. I mean, he's he's been fun to watch. We've seen him air it out, and that was something that they kind of dialed back on uh, in recent years uh, before 
Daryl Bevel came along was there wasn't as much of the deep ball, and we've seen that more with Daryl Bevel, and I think that's fun for Stafford. I think he enjoys that, so I think he's thriving off of that a little bit, just being able to throw the ball downfield and and, uh, find his receivers, so I definitely uh, see some of that for sure uh, this season in Stafford, so uh, you know, he is playing really well. They just have to figure out how to give that complimentary run game to go along with it uh, because that's when he's really going to, you know, mm-hmm. play his best ball because they have that element of the offense as well. The thing that bugs me about Stafford is he's like the only quarterback to have like multiple wins at U.S. Bank Stadium. He's won a few. I know we're, we're overseeing you guys, but um, I always tell Wabi how much he he's so underrated in our in our division, and everyone talks yeah, about Ro- everyone's Rogers this, Rogers that, and I'm like, oh, that guy Stafford, he kills me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely is underrated. I don't think he gets the respect nationally that he deserves, uh, often because you know the team hasn't gone to the playoffs and won as as much as people expect that uh, you know he should. But it isn't just all on Stafford, and when Stafford's playing really good ball, he's fun to watch. Yeah, you said uh, you're on your way to a shoot. So what's what's happening for you guys early in the week production-wise? What are you going to shoot? Yeah, so we do a show every week called Lions Game Plan on Fox Sports Detroit here, and we basically do um, you know a little bit of film breakdown with head coach Matt Patricia. That'll be a little bit later on today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also shoot some stand-ups for the show, kind of theme it around uh, whatever the opponent is that week. And since it's the Vikings this week and – uh, you know, Minnesota and all your lakes. We're going around to some lakes around okay. here in, in Michigan and uh, doing our stand-up there for the show. I got it. I'll be honest with you. Not many states can stand up to us when it comes to lakes, but Michigan might be one that could give us a run for our money, don't <laughs> I you think? think? So. Yeah. I think so. I think we are very underrated. Speaking of underrated, we are underrated on the lake front. Yeah, you might be. That's that's pretty true. <laughs> uh, we always enjoy our, our trip to Detroit, and um, and we have that one coming up here this week. It's always fun to come and match up with you guys and um, and play the Lions and and usually two evenly matched teams and I think this week is no exception. When you look at the Vikings, Tori, and maybe you haven't had time to do it, but I know you had a bye week, so maybe you you checked out a Vikings game a couple of weeks ago when we played the Giants. But just quickly before we let you go, give us one thought you have on the Minnesota Vikings in 2019. Well, I think that Zimmer defense is always something that you have to look out for. I mean. Uh, the Lions have certainly had to match up against that defense plenty of times, and uh, that defense has, has gotten of the Lions from time to time. So that's certainly something that you're always keeping an eye out on. They always find a way to get after Matthew Stafford, so that offensive line is going to have to be on their A game. Okay. It's going to be a fun matchup. We'll be checking out your stuff this week as we try to get all the Lions info we can, but we appreciate your time this morning on a short week, Tori. Good luck this week in the preparation, and we'll see you on Sunday, okay? Thanks, guys, so much. It's always fun to join you. Yeah, it Appreciate is. it. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Tori. Bye. That was awesome to hear Tori uh, give her input on the Vikings. Obviously, we got her um, immediate reaction to a tough loss against the Green Bay Packers, pretty much driving to work the next morning. So, yeah. so that, that was cool. Yeah, we, we've been in that spot. That's yep. a tough spot. Off of an emotional, close, tough loss, having to turn the page really quickly and get ready for the next week. And, you know, you have to work with your head coach, who's obviously grumpy. Like, that, that's a tough spot. She was gracious with her time. We appreciate it. What's she next? Was. Next is the fan questions. We've been doing the fan voicemails most of these weeks, but now we have the old school way of doing it. A couple emails to Wabi. Let's start off with Eric Travis. Eric from Seattle. I noticed Kirk went straight to the sidelines after all four touchdowns. 
Why do you think he isn't celebrating with his teammates in the end zone? <laughs> Seems like he's playing angry. All right, so this is this is this is a good one. I want it in because I want your perspective on it because you sit in this room with him for at least an hour every Monday. Quickly for me, this is one of those where it's like the quarterback can't win. He goes to the end zone to celebrate, and I got some people emailing <laughs> me being like, why is he celebrating? Act like you've been there before. Then he doesn't celebrate, and he's all business, and now someone's emailing saying, what the heck, why isn't he celebrating? So I think Kirk should just do whatever he feels like doing after we score. If he's like intense and angry and wants to get back and look at the Polaroids, just go to the sideline. Let everyone else celebrate. But if he wants to play Leapfrog or Duck Duck Grey Duck or whatever, he can go do that too. Who cares? We scored a touchdown. Everyone should be happy. The Prince music is playing. The lights are (laughs) flickering on and off. Why do we give a rat's tail what they're doing? Who cares? I agree. And he spoke about handling his emotions and not getting too high after wins, not getting too low after losses. If you listen to everything that some of these people say about him, it wouldn't be too good. So he doesn't listen when they're saying good things about him either, right. which is amazing. Now, I, I think it's unbelievable in this social media age with all these people who crush him, completely crush him, and he just doesn't listen to it. He, oh, okay. he comes in here on a Monday, and I say, you see what people are saying? He goes, he goes, no, I don't see it. He didn't know that the linebackers said that he was the worst part of the defense until after the game. Offense, yeah. Uh, of the offense until yeah. after the game. He That's said, fine. He said, dude, I didn't even hear about okay. that until after. You're burning right now. Burning. Okay. What's my man's <laughs> name? Who, who emailed that? What's Eric it? Travis. Eric. All right, Eric, thank you for the email. Now, Eric did include the purple uh, emoji guy after it, basically joking around saying, I think Kirk's <laughs> playing angry. So I appreciate him being able to be, we you love know, you, Eric. to We're be lighthearted not, about yeah. it. So to answer Eric's question, don't read into the non-celebrations or the celebrations. That's just who Kirk Cousins is. Sometimes you get the, you like that guy coming off the field at FedEx Field after a big win. Sometimes you get him, you know, running straight to the sideline to study the the Polaroids. Doesn't really matter to me as long as he's throwing three touchdowns a game. Yeah, I don't know. Four touchdowns a game. I don't know about all you fans, but I think I like the, you like that guy. More than the other oh, guy. The fans do too, and they, yeah. and they oh, do yeah. too. Yeah, which is which. Let, let's let's get that. All you right. like that? Let's tick them off a little All more. Right. Let's like go. Coach Zimmer said. Let's let's go with uh, <laughs> number two. What do you got? Number two from Rick in Davenport, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Can't say his last name. Okay. Um, over the last several years, the Vikings have struggled in many road games. The performance in New York was awesome, with breakout performances by key players. What observations can you provide regarding the Detroit game? Good question. Yeah, I, I mean, Detroit is a good team. When it comes to playing on the road and home field advantages, you know, and you're talking about some of the best ones in the league, you know, Detroit does not enter that conversation traditionally. Um, you know, you're usually going to talk about Seattle and Kansas City and Minnesota and Chicago for home field advantage places. So Detroit's not going to be in that conversation. Now, Detroit has a good team. And they're going to be playing at home after a close emotional loss. So I think on the on in the universe of Ford Field, I think the noise will be a little bit higher than normal um, for Ford Field. But in the universe of the NFL and home field advantages, you know, Ford Field is not one that you typically talk about as being in the top five or six. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Obviously, the Vikings last year had a little bit of a tough time getting out the gate in Detroit, which ended a second half with, I think, a Hail Mary pass. End of the first half. End of the first half Mm -hmm. with a Hail Mary pass to Kyle Rudolph, which kind of brought us back, and we ended up winning that game. It's always a tough place to play, though, I think, for the Vikings. I think that extra day 
for the Vikings to prepare and one less day for the Lions to prepare will help our causes a little bit. Um, Kirk Cousins is also from the area, so he kind of is excited to have his family in the building and stuff like that. So these are a few of the things that play into that. The Vikings are 1-2 and in road games this year and undefeated at home. I'd like to see them even that out, um, especially losing the first two uh, in-division games. Yep. To both the Bears and the Packers. Let's get this one against the Lions. That that would be huge. Yep. Question number three. Question number three is a long one. I think it's your favorite because you were excited to answer this oh, one. Oh, yeah. I forwarded to you guys earlier in the week. You yeah. did. Josh Anderson. And nice, easy last name. Yeah, we're, you got that all, one. We're all happy. Well, I, th- I thought maybe um, the second one, his last name was Cole. And you're, you're afraid of anyone with the last name of Cole right now. That's why you didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, it's actually Olerich. Oh, okay. O-E-L-E-R-I-C-H. Not Got easy. It. Wabi, could you elaborate on the offensive and defensive use of hands to the face? Mm-hmm. Often, I, often I see defenders or O-linemen get penalized for illegal hands to the face or face masking. I also see runners, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, stiff arm, to the face mask and not get penalized. What's the rule on that? All right, so if you're a defender trying to make a tackle, you can't grab, twist, and pull forcibly the face mask at all. Um, If your hand is on their face mask, now the referee is in the subjective gray area zone where he has to decide if this is forcible contact and there's grabbing, pulling, or twisting. So for a defender making a tackle, it's basically you can't twist it. You can't use it to help you tackle. By accident or intentionally. So that I think that's pretty cut and dry. Where it gets weird is if you're stiff-arming someone, can you do that? Yes, you can You can go flat hand and stiff-arm someone in the face. As long as you don't grab the face but mask. But you, as an offensive player, cannot grab their face mask just like the defender can't grab yours. Now, if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman and it's hand-to-hand combat and there's yep. pass protection or run blocking or you're trying to get after the quarterback, you can't, you can't put your hand on the guy's helmet or face mask at all. You can't do that. That is illegal hands to the face. That's the difference. So if you're a defender tackling someone and your hand just grazes the face mask or, or, or touches the face mask, it's not necessarily a penalty. But if you're rushing the passer and your hand gets on the face mask at all, they're going to flag that. So it's all about the circumstance, the situation where you are. Um, that That's what it comes down to. It's not a, a one-size-fits-all rule for every player, every position on both sides of the ball. Really good question. Yeah, it is. And that's I, an educated question. It's nuance. It's getting into nuance. And that's why I was excited about that because that's an emailer who is watching a lot of games and is able to see something and then in a different game see something similar and wonder what's the distinction. And that's the distinction with the hands to the face and the face masking or the stiff arming. That's pretty good. You did a good job of explaining that, too. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Let's get back to the fan voicemail box next week. Uh, Next week will be show number 13. So obviously there's, um, you know, some people are superstitious um, and about, about things and about numbers, and this is show 13 coming up. So that's got producer Jay Nelson thinking the topic for the fan voice mailbox for next week. It's our 13th show, and as we all know, that's got a lot of superstitions tied to it. So what is your biggest superstition? that you believe helps make a difference in the outcome of a game, whether you're an athlete, a former athlete, or a fan. I got one. We want to know, (laughs) is it a specific outfit you wear? Is it a routine? Is it something you eat? Um, What is your superstition as it relates to the Minnesota Vikings? Can I give give an example? Yeah, can I let the folks know how (laughs) how they can submit their examples first? The question has me excited. Jeez. (laughs) 
Phone number 952-918-8438. What is your Vikings-related superstition? Let us know. Leave us a voicemail. Chris, what is yours? I dress up my dog. Oh, boy. That's what I do. I dress up my dog in a Vikings jersey on Vikings game day, and I dress her up in a Yankees jersey on Yankees playoff game day. Mm-hmm. Seems to be working pretty well. Um, I also have my own jerseys and things that I do on the side, but that's my superstition. When I played baseball, I got dressed the exact same way every single time. Did you like put one sock on before just, the other sock? Yeah, just, just the same thing, the same routine every single time, no doubt about it. I can't say I really have like a, a superstition right now, though. I don't think I really do. But we've had some good ones over the you years. You take a picture of the sign uh, down oh, by yeah. the field. You do Home that. Home games. Home games. Yeah, that's right. I put it on the gram, as the kids say. <laughs> right? Is that, you, is that, did yeah, I say that right? You put it on the gram. You gram a picture of the do your job, and you get all excited. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I'm walking into the doors, and I try and do a different one every time, though. Producer Jay Nelson eats yeah. peanut M&Ms before Vikings games. Oh, do you? Okay. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got a good one, or most people have a good one. We want to know what it is. 952-918-8438. 952-918-8438. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know what your Vikings-related superstition is. Okay, last thing before we go, we love doing this. Top five. And uh, we have another dynamic one. We have two top fives. Uh, Chris is going to do, through six games, six weeks, the top five happiest fan bases right now, this week, right now. Who is the happiest among the fan bases in the NFL? I will do the saddest fan bases right now in the National Football League. You or me first? You go first. I'll go first. All right. The top five um, saddest fan bases right now. Number five, the Los Angeles Chargers. This, yeah, it'll be pretty sad. This squad has so much talent. They have Philip Rivers, who is an awesome quarterback. I think they have a good coaching staff, and they play in Southern California, which is, you know, for some people, a great place to live. Unfortunately, it's not a great place to have great home field <laughs> advantage. The Pittsburgh Steelers basically just played a home game in their house and won with their third string quarterback. So the Chargers are a team full of talent and promise. And they live in a great climate, and their team right now is um, is not in, in great shape. So that's a really sad fan base right now. Um, I don't care if they uh, – hopefully they snap out of it. I hope they lose to us. Uh, nothing against them. But I think, you know, that, that losing to Pittsburgh the way they did with all those Steelers fans in there. National to, TV. I think that made them sad. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, uh, they, they're up there. Man. Another team with so much talent, you know, and a great quarterback. And Julio Jones and a really fast – defense with a good scheme but they just encounter and incur so many injuries and Keanu Neal's hurt again and they're losing games I think they're one in five one in five like 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 that's like the most talented team that's been one in five that I can ever remember I think that's a sad fan base the Dallas Cowboys a great fan base really really talented team especially on offense defense that's getting better even keeled head coach great owners playing in Texas which loves football Started the season three and zero, and they lost to Chrissy's New York Jets, <laughs> and they're now three and three. That's a sad fan base right now. That's, Pretty amazing. Now that's a group like no disrespect, but we don't want them to rebound because we play them and we're competing with them for a playoff spot. So another team that qualifies as that, a team that we're competing with for a playoff spot. That's also three and three. That's very sad right now. That also plays in California. 
The Rams. The Rams, yeah. The Rams yeah. are sad right now. And um, they just lost at home to the San Francisco 49ers, a team that for the last few years has kind of been a doormat around there. And the Niners jumped up and beat them at home. So uh, Jared Goff, like I think he had fewer than 100 yards passing in that game. So they're sad. Rams fans are sad right now. <laughs> but you know who's the, the saddest? Who's the saddest? Anyone who watched the Monday night game this week knows what I'm going to say. It's it's the team we play. The Lions. The Detroit Lions are sad right Whoa, now. Or timing. Maybe, maybe they're angry. Angry and sad. That's a bad combo. We're going to go into their house. They're I don't like angry, to be angry and, sad. and sad. Look, the Lions win that game and they're in first place in the division. They are in the driver's seat. They have a chance to put us at 0 and 3 in the division. They were going to be in great shape if they would have won that game, but the they had a little problem with some penalties or non-penalties and a lot of field uh, goals. I mean, you can't you can't be inside the ten at Lambeau Field and kick field goals. You cannot do that. You have. To, I mean, you gotta you gotta score touchdowns, and they didn't. And um, I think you heard it in Tori Petrie's voice on yeah, this she show. Seemed, she seemed pretty sad she was and sad. angry. My girl Tori is is a peppy, <laughs> gregarious, nice, like fun loving girl. She she's sad right she now. Was, she was a little sad. So the Detroit Lions are sad. <laughs> Lions, Rams, Cowboys, Falcons, Chargers are sad right now. But the good news for them is this is a week-to-week league. And two weeks ago, the Vikings were sad. And now they've won two straight, and the Vikings are very happy right now. So, speaking of happy fan bases, Chris, what do you got? All right, for happy fan bases, maybe not as funny as the sad fan bases. We'll start out with number five. I have a two-way tie, thanks to Jay Nelson, our producer. Carolina and the Houston Texans. Both teams are 4-2. and two. Carolina, I would be pretty happy losing your starting quarterback and you're 4-2. and two. Um, backup Kyle Allen is playing out of his mind, and running back C.J. McCaffrey cannot be stopped in any facet of the offense. Probably one of the leading MVP candidates right now. The Texans are tied with them because they're 4-2 and and they just beat the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. So just winning that game puts them in this category. 4-2, and they're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Number four is the Green Bay Packers. They've put a lot of home games. That's why they're number four. Okay. Most of their five of their first six games are at home. They're five and one. They lead our division. I don't want to put them too high because they don't make me very happy. But yeah. <laughs> I have them at number four. Okay, big big win with some help from from the officiating crew. I'd say so that makes a fan base pretty happy. Yeah, number three. Well, first of all, or lastly on that one, uh, they're always happy. They're always ha- Packers they're, fans are always happy. They're they happy are. people. They just eat their cheese and they drink their beer. Yeah, and even like for our games at Lambeau, like they're they're pretty nice fans. Yeah, they, I mean they are. They welcome you into their stadium, um, and they've been winning a lot lately. And they have a great quarterback. So yeah, they're they're happy. Number three has a great quarterback, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, they're five and one. Um, they have Russell Wilson, who has thrown for like twenty something touchdowns and has zero interceptions. Probably mm-hmm. also. In that MVP race, the guy's been. Oh on, yeah, he's been the best quarterback in the NFL so far this season, um, and that's why they are at number three. He's been better than Mahomes, to be honest with you, because he wins games on the road, and just like he did this past week, and he does not turn the ball over. Yep. So unbelievable performance so far. That is number three. Okay, I'm trying to think of who's left. I know two who for sure who are left. I'm wondering if there's maybe a third you're leaving out. There's a third I think you're not going to name who you should, who you're not, and I'm going to roast you for it. All but right. finish your top five. My number two is a team that's going to hit the heart of Vikings fans, 
and it's the New Orleans Saints. Whoa, you got two that I think you should put in there. Okay, because keep going. Because the New Orleans, they lost their starting quarterback for a bunch of weeks, Drew Brees, and Teddy Bridgewater has come in and been undefeated in maybe the not-so-Saints way of winning games, not scoring as many points, but finding a way to win games, just uh-huh. like he did this past week. They won like 13-3 or 13-6. Um, he's winning. He's showing his personality in the locker room, and they're just hanging in in the hunt, and I think they're still right there in that division. And, yeah, we're yeah. going to have to worry about them no, later in the year. That's good. I think they should be in there. they got to be in I there. I don't know who you're going to leave. You're going to leave two teams out here. My but. number one is the San Francisco 49ers. All right, that makes sense. How psyched are you guys? Yeah, they're, they're happy. You guys have played the Buccaneers. Win. The Bengals. Win. The Steelers. Won. The Browns won. And then you went and beat the Rams on the road. And you have a game against the Redskins coming up. You play the Panthers at home. You play the Cardinals. I mean, they play the Packers, by the way, coming up. I freaking hope so. They They got to play some good teams because, man, this team is a team that lost their quarterback to a torn ACL earlier in the season last, uh, last year. The whole season went down the tubes. And now this year, they, I mean, they're running the ball all over the field. No matter who they play, they can't. Uh, the run game can't be stopped, so that is my number one. Who did I leave out? <laughs> you left a couple out. Who did I leave out? I'm not leaving out the Patriots because they don't care about football until okay. they're in the AFC Championship. Fine. So I that's why I let that left right. them out. I won't ask you about them. That's my reasoning for the Patriots. Similar to why I like I didn't put in the Redskins or the Dolphins. Like they're they're beaten down. Exactly. Their fan bases are be- they're not sad. There's something else. I don't know what their emotion is, but it's not sad. Um, the Raiders. I did leave out the Raiders. The Raiders fans should be super happy. Are they three and two? Yeah, wow. they won two in a row. Wow, they're on a bye this week. They can't lose this week. They've won two in a row. Raiders that, fans should be happy. That's a pretty good team to put in there. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's it. Top five happiest and saddest fan bases, and that's it for the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This episode, episode number twelve, is over. The week continues as we uh, get ready for the Detroit Lions, everyone. So we hope uh, you enjoy the rest of the week of prep, and we hope you catch the Vikings-Lions game on the Vikings Radio Network, FM 100.3, the fan, and the Vikings Radio Network. Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen. We'll have the call. Pete Bursich in the booth. Greg Coleman, Ben Lieber on the sidelines. The pregame show is hosted by Mike Musman, and that begins at 10 a.m. Central Time. In the meantime, catch all of our content and using the Vikings app, going to vikings.com, download podcasts and radio shows wherever you like to download your favorite podcasts, Under Center with Kirk Cousins, a Chris Corso production, the Minnesota Vikings podcast, of course, weekly X's and O's with head coach Mike Zimmer, Skull Stories, and Vikings Final Prep, all of that and more available for you. Google, Spotify, the iHeart uh, Media app, wherever you like to get your podcasts, go and find all of that. Okay, our thanks to Tori Petri for joining us and to Vikings team reporter Eric Smith. Our thanks to Jay Nelson for producing. Thank you, Chrissy, for all your work as well. That's going to do it for the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Vikings and Lions on Sunday at noon. Watch the game and then call that number. Let us know what your superstitions are and make sure you come back next week for another episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Until then, this is Wabi signing off for now. Let's go Vikings.